0: Well, this assassination has gone off the rails. Today, I'm talking about the killer versus the brute fight from The Killer. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello movie friends, welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott and today I am talking about the fight scene and my personal highlight in terms of the action from David Fincher's recent Netflix movie The Killer starring Michael Fassbender and I listed it as one of my favorite action scenes of the past year and there are reasons for that which I'll get into and also like I said this is it's it was frustrating because this scene is so good that I wish that the rest of the movie had more of it and I understand that it wasn't really the point of the movie but at the same time I wish the movie was different. So, uh, without further ado, let's dig into the scene. I had a habit in my fight scene breakdowns. I tend to highlight great fight scenes from great action movies. The reasons why are pretty straightforward. Good action movies tend to have good action scenes, which means the notion of a bad action movie with good action sounds like a contradiction. But that's not always the case. Sometimes there's greatness in a flawed film, and in today's case, it's this brutal hand-to-hand bout between the titular killer and a giant man nicknamed the Brute. Well into his revenge tour, Michael Fassbender's killer heads down to St. Petersburg, Florida, to take care of the biggest and baddest member of the group that roughed up his girlfriend, a giant man known as the Brute. After identifying his target via a limp, the killer sedates the man's dog and sneaks into his house to deliver a suppressed headshot. But the Brute surprises the killer, which turns the assassination into a home-spanning hand-to-hand bout. So why does it work? Let's start with misdirection. A lot of the best fight scenes work because of the emotional or dramatic build-up to the first shot or blow. If you're really good, you can lead into one fight scene with a different kind of action scene, see Extraction going from car chase to close quarters fighting, or the Bourne Ultimatum going from foot chase to to book to face smashing goodness. But if there's one thing the killer does right, it's constantly upending expectations. There's a natural tension in assassin movies in the quiet before the kill, so the audience is on the edge to see whether or not the killer's plan will come to fruition. Any sound or interruption adds to that tension, so to blow up what should be a quiet kill with a giant man barreling into the killer, a guy who constantly talks about not improvising, is a great bit of misdirection, and immediately puts the protagonist and the audience on edge. Which brings us to another question that this fight scene answers, what can this guy do? To this point, you'd be forgiving for thinking our killer might be an idiot. Yes, he makes a lot of money and seems to have some baseline competencies, but each of his plans have gone to hell so far. He shot the wrong person to kick all of this off, and his attempt to intimidate his handler turned into a way too soon kill. So he might have a nice physique and be able to do push-ups and yoga, but can he actually fight? Turns out, yes he can. While his impon- opponent is so physically imposing he can toss Fastbender around, throw hay- ham- haymakers and smash him into things, and boy does he, we'll get into it, Fastbender is able to counter him with a combination of skills and improvised weapons. They're small moments, but moves like going for a chokehold, solid kicks, and deflecting punches and other blows to deliver plenty of his own demonstrate that he's a very capable fighter and can turn the tables on someone who got the drop on him. Now let's smash everything. Another appeal to this scene is how fucking destructive the whole affair is, which again is a nice counterpoint to the clean look and feel of the movie up to this point. Both fighters are going for effective brutality. The brute is using his strength to slam the killer through closet doors, into tables, and into TVs hard enough to crack or break everything. Meanwhile, the killer helps maintain distance with improvised melee weapons, including glasses, bongs, and plates. It's kind of hilarious that a fight in a David Fincher movie looks and feels almost as destructive as the Rock vs. Vin Diesel bout from Fast Five. The scene also has beats. Action scenes, when done correctly, have stories within them. There can be bigger themes and ideas at play, but even a straight up this dude versus that dude fight should have ebb and flow to them. Despite being an almost three-minute affair, this fight has those distinct beats. Beat 1, the brute smashes into the killer and tosses him around. Beat 2, the killer strikes back and goes for the chokeout. Beat 3, the brute reverses the chokeout and gets a gun. Beat 4, the brute and killer try to outmaneuver each other for firearms. Beat 5, the killer gets to his gun and ends the fight. If you've ever watched an action scene and it just felt like everything just happened, chances are it's missing these beats. Also, it's dimly lit, but it's still easy to follow. My biggest pet peeve with David Fincher is his dimly lit dark blue and yellow aesthetic that he applies to everything. I'm sure folks will have this comparison, but will hate this comparison, but he's like a restrained Michael Bay in that way. He has his style, and he applies it to everything. It's not bad, but it does mean that his work can run together visually. It also made me really worried about how he'd handle a fight scene. He's always been good at scene geography, but action scenes require a lot more of it to engage the audience. Some quick editing is fine, but without a clear idea of what's happening, it's hard to get excited. So I'm very pleased to report that this scene is easy to follow. There's two main tricks that Fincher uses to make sure it's easy to piece together. The first is making sure that the main action of each moment, for instance a punch or choke or a kick, are in camera and towards the center of the frame. It's a trick that George Miller and company used in Mad Max Fury Road, and it works well here too. The second is that each fighter's body is always distinctive and easy to see. Either they're dark figures in the hallway, or there's just enough light shining off their bodies to show the audience where they are. It genuinely made me curious how Fincher and company would handle a more action-heavy script. The conclusion is, it's well-staged and directed. Though David Fincher isn't known as an action filmmaker, his visual instincts and action storytelling chops are on full display here. An adrenaline-pumping three minutes that left me wanting more.